Hi, I'm Andrea Lorian, Vermont Edition producer, and I just wanted to let you know that the podcast you're about to listen to has been edited for clarity and brevity. Thanks for listening, and enjoy. This is Vermont Edition. I'm Michaela Lafrac. A creative community nestled in the Upper Valley has been going strong for years and nurturing artists who go on to do great things. The Center for Cartoon Studies in White River Junction brings together cartoonists, writers, and designers and teaches them how to create compelling and marketable comics and graphic novels. These skills can lead you in many different directions. Today on the show, we'll speak with two graduates of the Center for Cartoon Studies, whose time there took them down pretty different paths. Later in the hour, we'll talk with Dan Knott. His latest book, Hidden Systems, was longlisted for a National Book Award. He also helped create a graphic guide to civics and democracy in Vermont. We'll be brushing up on those lessons ahead of town meeting day, which is just over a month away. But our first guest today is also a CCS grad, but she is most famous for winning RuPaul's Drag Race Season 9 in 2017. Her name is Sasha Valour. Her creativity, intelligence, and out-of-the-box thinking took her far in that competition. In her final lip-sync performance to So Emotional by Whitney Houston, Sasha lifted her wig up off her head and rose petals spilled out on the stage. It was a big reveal that has become a legendary moment for Drag Race fans. Sasha looked back on the performance with the online publication Them earlier this year. This was the moment, (laughs) the moment that everything changed. I'm still so, like, blown away by that performance. Like, who is that? She had something to prove. She had a mission. I rehearsed the hell out of this, like, over and over again. I remember picking up rose petals from the carpeted floor in my hotel room as I just, like, okay, let me try it again. I can still remember, like, what I was looking at from that perspective, like just seeing all of these lights, all these cameras, looking at RuPaul, who had almost no reaction, just so stoic watching us. And I was like, I want to make her excited, give her a show that she's happy about. These days, Sasha Valor lives in New York City. Last year, she put her degree from the Center for Cartoon Studies to good use in her first book called The Big Reveal, an illustrated manifesto of drag. She'll return to Vermont as part of her world tour for The Big Reveal live show this spring. You can catch her at the Flynn Performing Arts Center in Burlington on March 3rd and Lebanon, New Hampshire on March 4th. Sasha and I spoke recently about the tour, her book, and her time in White River. Our conversation starts with Sasha explaining why she decided to come to Vermont to study to study cartooning. I loved my experience at the Center for Cartoon Studies. I learned how to publish and release and create my own artwork there. And I, I had always kind of had stories, ideas in my head that I wanted to share with the world and discovering that through comics and later through drag, I could just put those out into the world kind of with paper and pencil or with my own body and a little makeup was so empowering. And how did you first get interested in cartoon studies? Were you a big drawer growing up? Did you read a lot of comic books? Where did the interest come from? I read a lot of comic books. I always 
loved comics because I think with pictures instead of words. So it feels even more direct than writing to me to be able to communicate with images, which are so abundant in this world. Mm. Um, and then I, I actually thought I was a terrible artist, <laughs> but something <laughs> about indie comics showed me that you don't need to be the best technical drawer to tell a compelling story or even to create appealing visuals. And I'm still shocked that I have some kind of career making art or <laughs> choosing colors because it's not something I consider myself gifted at. It's just something I really, really love. Mm. What were some of the comics that you loved growing up? Um, I was a, I loved the Tintin comics um, from Belgium, the classic like adventure comics, even though they're very problematic. I realize now <laughs> looking back, um, I, I read Spider-Man, Batman and Superman, of course. Um, and then I, I started reading um, a bunch of Alan Moore comics. I fell in love with Promethea, which is like a Kabbalistic feminist superhero wow. <laughs> that I really connects to my drag. Um, there's just so much out there. Being in White River Junction, um, I re read that that was the first time that you performed drag in public. Is that right? I had I had my drag debut in my hometown in Illinois. Mm -hmm. Actually, it was a it was a monthly open night pageant where anyone could show up and then audience applause chose the winner and I got second place there. Oh, um, but all that confidence I got from going out, I brought to school with me that year in in Vermont and I started dressing up pretty much every excuse I could find in the small town of White River Junction for Halloween, for a fashion show hosted by the amazing Revolution Vintage Shop. And then uh, the Main Street Museum offered me like a chance to put on a show in their space. And that was my first self-produced drag show ever. Mm. And we wrote a play and did rehearsals and costumed it um, with different people that I had met around town. So that was really, that was a, my first time creating a drag show. So oh, what year was that? This was in 2012. Mm. So really at the beginning of my drag journey and showed me just how much support is out there in a place that has had, had very little drag. Just accepting interested people who loved art and that's who drag speaks to. When you think back to the the Sasha Velour that was in White River Junction, how is she different from the Sasha Velour of today? Or how are they, they similar? Uh, in terms of her attitude, her ambition um, to create something magical out of nothing, it's I'm still very much the same queen. <laughs> I just have had a lot of experiences <laughs> since then. Yeah. <laughs> Hardened and strengthened, I'll say. <laughs> Uh, well, you might have heard that recently in White River Junction, there was a bomb threat that was called in during a drag story hour. Um, and yes. kids and families and two drag performers had to evacuate the space. Um, luckily, it was found out to be a hoax. Um, but, you know, it's just one of, of many different um, threats targeting uh, drag performers and specifically drag story hour events across the country. Um, I, I'm curious what what your thoughts were, what you felt after hearing about that event happening in a place that, that meant a lot to you as a drag performer. Mm. It's so frustrating that 
these drag events have been targeted, it, it goes to show that the most dangerous thing for a young person at at a drag event is the potential backlash. Are these threats of violence from people who don't want the world to be accepting and tolerant? Um, I think it's not representative of my experiences in White River Junction and in Vermont. I found it to be such a welcoming and accepting place, including for maybe young queer people out there. I was a young queer person myself, desperate to see someone who looked like me, someone who wanted to dress up the way that I did. And I, I didn't have that kind of representation in the 90s when I was a little kid. So I know how important these events are. I'll also say like, Drag is just fun, um, as important as it is for young queer people to, to see themselves in someone. It's also just a way to get the community together. It's, there's dress up, there's color, there's joy, and people are, people are showing up and getting excited about reading. You know, we, we want people excited about books. I'm an author now as well. Um, so it, it's really, these events are just full of love and joy, and it's the backlash that is creating danger for mm -hmm. all of us. You've mentioned that you are an author now. You have a, a relatively new book out, The Big Reveal, an illustrated manifesto of drag. A manifesto. Yeah. You know, they, the conservative people who don't like drag think we have some kind of organized agenda, and we really don't. <laughs> but I wanted to articulate if there was any kind of agenda to drag, certainly an agenda of liberation and openness and self-acceptance and acceptance of others. But I wanted to articulate that using my own experiences, using the amazing and untold history of drag around the world. What can somebody find inside this book when they open it up? The book tells my life story from being a little kid with a, a very tolerant family. Um, my grandmothers in particular were the first to introduce me to ideas of drag through their own stories about going to see different kinds of cabaret shows all the way back to the 40s and the 50s. It just, it showed me that there was some potential to be a little different, to dress up for, for boys to express themselves in all kinds of ways. And, and then it, it charts my journey through discovering the queer history of drag and the role that drag has played in helping our community organize and, and fight for each other's rights, to fight, to fight for trans rights, um, to fight for gay rights, um, to raise money for people in need. And that really moved me to become a drag artist because I've, I've always been invested in the way that art can help people. I really believe it, it, can, it can be gorgeous, it can be fun and escapist, but it can also make the world better. And I really saw that in drag. Hmm. And then there's lots of little, you know, fun anecdotes from the very strange life of a drag queen. Um, I also, I thought about writing it as a show, as a, a drag show on paper, which is why I realized I had to turn it into a live show that now I get to take around the world with me. That's right. I was just looking at the um, list of tour stops for the Big Reveal live show, and you'll be in Burlington on March 3rd, Lebanon, New Hampshire, March 4th, and then London on March 8th. I don't know how many tours go from Lebanon to London. <laughs> it's a great jump. <laughs> a natural leap, I'm sure. <laughs> no, I'm so, I'm really, I'm still in disbelief that, that through drag, I'm able to travel the world and have a career as a working artist. It's really thanks to the amazing support that exists out there for drag. Um, and, and all the lessons that I learned from from my time at the Center for Cartoon Studies about 
how you got to stay organized. You have to plan ahead. Um, you, you need to be in charge of your business. I learned all of that through comics and I get to apply it to this big life in drag. Can you give us a little bit of a sneak peek of what the the show will be like? How do how do you translate book to stage performance? I think it comes really naturally. There's a bunch of kind of philosophies in the book that I tried to explore around the idea of camp, around the anti-consumerist qualities of drag, about the erasure of queer history and the meaning of family. And I think it's a lot easier for me to express those ideas through a performance. It's, it's kind of classic theater in a sense, but with a drag twist. I have a set. When you walk in, you're going to see a full living room set. And it begins with the story of my childhood. And then it turns out that nothing is what it seems. And everything has a little reveal to it. But that's all I can say. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you ever, like, have days where you're just like, I can't, I don't want to do it today. Like, I can't. I can't muster the energy. I can't get dressed up. Like, this is not for me. Or, or or do you always feel motivated to be that person that people love so much? I find, of course, like, you know, just being a human being, I have moments where I can't muster the energy and strength to get into drag. And it is a three-hour-long process where I am the makeup artist as well. Um, so it certainly has work involved and a uh, serious amount of discomfort once I get into the costume. But something about being in drag always reminds me why I do it. Just the way people light up to see someone going for something that intentionally and with that much passion. You know, the the world as it is, is, is really challenging. And that's why we need an element of wild possibility. The, the promise of anyone's ability to become something um, something different, something beyond what they maybe were told was possible. That just gives, it spreads hope to everyone. And that in turn gives me hope to keep going. Okay. You mentioned three hours of prep to get ready to go on stage. <laughs> yes. I got to know more. Can you tell me a little bit about like, maybe just like walk us through what some of the steps are that you take to get ready? Well, I, um, because I'm a bald drag queen, um, Partly in tribute to to my mom, who was bald at the end of her life um, after going through chemotherapy, and she discovered mm. the beauty of it, um, a, a surprising beauty. So I I still stay bald in my drag in honor of her, so that I have to shave my head at the beginning of of my process. I will I basically cover my entire face and head in makeup, block out my eyebrows using glue, and then draw on. This is where the comics come in, draw on a new cartoonish, cartoonishly gorgeous face on top of my real one. And um, as, actually, as soon as I start seeing the lips and the new eye shape take over, it's like it wakes me up. I look more <laughs> awake <laughs> with the drawing on, and I also feel it inside. And then the process of putting on the body, it's a totally constructed body on top of mine. There's a corset, pads, changing my shoulder shape, my leg shape. And I basically become like a, a drawing come to life. A superhero. Yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> no, it's not instantaneous. I can't do it in a phone booth. But, <laughs> but it is quite a transformation. <laughs> um, well, that's fascinating. I, I mean, it, it really does feel like there, there are a lot of overlaps, as you said, between what you studied 
at the Center for Cartoon Studies and and what you do now, particularly this um, way of processing the world uh, visually. Yeah, when I when I plan my drag, I I always draw it out as a comic because I know even in a theater, that's that's how you receive the information is through images that change sequentially, which that's what comics is. Um, and it, it's a, I found it's the best way to communicate with all my different collaborators about, okay, and here's the moment when this happens, and this is what happens to the costume. Um, so I find comics to be an essential way of communicating information, uh, particularly as a drag performer. Sasha, for somebody who doesn't have experience in those things yet, but might might want to one day. Maybe the kid who's going to be coming to your performance uh, at the Flynn at the beginning of March. I'm wondering what, what your message might be for that kid who maybe had a similar upbringing to you in a small town and is just starting to to recognize maybe parts of themselves in in you and what you do. If there's any young people out there who who recognize a bit of themselves in in drag the way that the way that I know I did, I I just want to communicate that there is such a rich culture and history that prove just how how normal we all are, and and I want to encourage young people to just soak up as much of of all the art and culture and history that's out in the world as possible. The best way to become an artist or a human being, I believe, is to to really approach the world with curiosity about what's out there and always be discovering new things, new moments of beauty, new moments of inspiration. That was the drag queen Sasha Velour, a graduate of the Center for Cartoon Studies in White River Junction and a former winner of RuPaul's Drag Race. You can catch her live show at the Flynn Performing Arts Center in Burlington on March 3rd and in Lebanon, New Hampshire at the Lebanon Opera House on March 4th. 